Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Bay of the Hound. It's been a few weeks, I know. Um, life, COVID, and uh, murder hornets, and everything else you care to throw in our general direction keeps getting in the way. And I thought I'd start off with a very, very special guest, someone I've been trying to line up for a few weeks now, and the stars just kept misaligning. But we're now ready to go. We have on the show today, uh, the Black Phoenix himself, Mr. Khalil <laughs> Shabazz. Welcome to the show, brother. How you doing, bro? Thanks for having me. Finally. <laughs> yeah, finally. No, it's a joy to have you on. Um, when I first started the baying, one of my visions was to get the spotlight shone on the people that I like to hang around with and I like to talk with that maybe aren't quite so mainstream. So with a few examples, obviously you've got like guys like Singh, who's always going to be on podcast no matter what he does, because that's his thing. He's really good. Um, but for everyone else, it's always nice to kind of put a, a light on them to get not lesser lights, but lesser known lights within sure. the communities and things. And one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the show specifically, A, you're my man. So, you know, we've been friends for quite a while now. Um, but B, in terms of what you've done in your life, it's a fascinating journey and a fascinating story that I just think everybody can draw a lot of inspiration and, um, and, and knowledge from. Um, as I said in the introduction, you're a hip hop artist. I would argue a rock star as well, because <laughs> you're an author, you've been a speaker, um, obviously martial artist as we all know, and you've always done so much because it's the right thing to do in your way of doing it. So you've never really been swayed or, or buttressed so much by taking easy routes and things. You've always pursued um, what you think is right, even if that's at sometimes the expense of having arguments with bandmates and things like that. Uh, <laughs> Here we go. go. <laughs> Throw it out there. If we start uh, yeah, back yeah, at the yeah. beginning with this, thing, so <laughs> let's go way, 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 way back. And um, let's, let's talk about the thing that usually unites everybody when we do these things in the martial arts. How did you first get started on your journey of punching and kicking people in a recreational capacity? <laughs> in, a in a recreational capacity, it started, uh, it started with me getting beat up by my cousins. Right. You know, we would watch, uh, you know, Saturday morning cartoons, I guess, like everybody. And then Kung Fu Theater would come on right after Soul Train. And so, you know, we'd watch Soul Train and we would dance and whatnot. And then after that, Kung Fu Theater would come on and then we would run out to the backyard and, you know, jumping and kicking in the whole business. And um, it was kind of interesting that I used to, I was raised by my grandma, my, grand, my grandparents, really. Mm -hmm. And so wherever you saw my grandma, I was riding shotgun. You know, wherever she went, paying bills, running errands, going to the grocery store, whatever. And we passed a uh, Taekwondo school. Uh, back home. I'm from Savannah. So there's a Taekwondo school uh, that was on a, at a major intersection. And I begged them to get, begged them to get, begged them to get, them to And she made a deal with me to, you know, pay for lessons as long as I didn't tell my cousins. Now, my... Secret <laughs> 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 weapons in the back pocket. Yeah, yeah true story, man. My, my, my grandparents had nine kids. And at that point in time, there were like 22 grandchildren. And every Saturday... You know, maybe a dozen of us would go to my grandparents' house and, and do errands, clean up, vacuum, mop, and that kind of a thing. We would get some sort of an allowance. But I was a mainstay at the house. And so uh, she would take me, you know, like twice a week. She would take me there. She would just hang out in the parking lot. And she would go across the grocery store while I'm doing my, my training or whatnot. 
And uh, I mean, that's the, the long and short of how I got started. Um, and this was, you know, I'm 11, 12 years old, somewhere up in there. And then late high school, right after high school, somewhere around 17, 19 years old, is when I started paying for lessons on my own. But I had left. I had stopped doing it at that point in time. But I, I was like, you know what? I really enjoyed that. I really liked it. You know, I can pay for lessons myself. And um, <laughs> an interesting part of that story is that I used to sneak to lessons. My friends and I, we would hang out and we would just, you know, do what young guys did at that point in time, running around, wilding out or whatever. And every couple of nights around six o'clock, I would disappear. And everyone thought I had a girlfriend. It was like, where is, where is this dude going? He's going to go talk to some girl or whatever, whatever. But no, I was going to Taekwondo school. And this was Savannah Taekwondo at that point in time, a different, a different school. And uh, one, of my, one of my boys caught me because I drove up. I was trying to keep up appearances. And so I had on the pants to my gi or to my, my go-box. I had on my, my pants, but I had on a regular shirt. And so I'm right. driving up, and I was like, yeah, man, I'm about to go check out old girl, man. I'm about to go old girl. And one of my boys was washing his car and just casually moseyed over to the car and kind of leaned in. He's like, yeah, man, I'm going to wash the car. He's like, what the hell you got on, pajamas? <laughs> <laughs> and the cat was out of the bag at that point in time. He, was, he just casually leaned on the car window and was like, yeah, man, I'm going to wash the car. And he looked and he saw my pants, like, what the hell you got on, pajamas? And at that point in time, it was out of the bag, and my my friends ragged on me to this day, to this very day. They still ragged on me about that story. I love the fact that normally it's like, oh, I'm going to go bowling, or I'm going to go somewhere <laughs> else, and it's an excuse to see a woman. In your case, no, I'm going to go and see a woman. And it's like, no, exactly. <laughs> that's an excuse to do much. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Brilliant. So taekwondo was Same. was your your first style, then. Uh, how long did yeah. you stick with that? Uh, initially, a couple of years. Mm -hmm. a couple of years and then uh, when I moved up here into college uh, that's when I took it again um, it, it, you know it was different it's kind of you know when you're young it's a different thing uh, from when you're an adult I guess the expectation is different mm -hmm. uh, the training is different and obviously the, the instruction is different the instructor is different um, back home there was a uh, it was an Air Force guy I think it was like a, a reservist or something like that. He was brutal as hell. And he knew I had some training, whether it was backyard training or real deal training or whatever. He would just come at me, dude. And I would just go straight into survival mode. You know, and I'm looking at the instructors. I'm just blocking and just moving backwards. I'm like, is someone going to say something to this guy? <laughs> this dude just coming full board, just, yeah, 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 yeah. And we would just go in circles and circles, round and round, you know. It was insane. And Ironically, that same instructor, it was a husband and wife school, and they had a couple of kids. Their oldest, uh, God, I wish I could remember his name. He was, he was like a junior black belt, but he was freaking awesome. Uh, but I accidentally gave the wife, who was a, you know, an instructor, like I said, it was, it was a husband and wife school. I accidentally gave her a black eye, and I was terrified that her son was going to kick my ass. I was terrified. And... What made it worse was that she was pregnant at the time. Yeah, and so we're doing these kicking Ooh. drills, and my cousin had taught me this double kick. You know, and I still do it to this very day. It's insane, but you know, you go low and then automatically swoop high. Mm -hmm. It's like bop, bop. And I caught her because she went for the low block. I caught her in the face, 
and I panicked. I was like, oh my gosh. She's like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And the whole school stopped. Everyone just stopped and looked. And then Logan, her son's name was Logan. I looked at him and he looked at me and it was like, <laughs> it was like, what's the cartoon, Willard or whatever that little rat's name when you ball up his fist slowly, oh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my God, this kid's gonna kick my ass. And then of course she comes back the next day and she has like the black eye and whatnot. And I'm like, oh hell. And, and her husband, he was just, you know, he just said, you know, watch your control, watch your power, you know, be careful. And, and that was the end of it. I thought it was going to be a big thing, but that was the end of it. That's pretty um, cool, though. I mean, that's a sign of a good school. It's like, eh, it happens. Just watch yourself, yeah. you know. It's like, yeah. <laughs> that's literally what it was. It was like, you know, it happens. You know, watch your control, power, blah, 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 blah. That was about it. But uh, when I came here, I went to a, uh, a Taekwondo school uh, under Richard Gordon. And directly after that, I signed into a Shotokan school. Um, Sensei Chapman, who's a mm-hmm. third band Chapman. He's an older guy from New Jersey. At that point in time, he was living like 62, 63. And it was a raw, real deal, old school show. To 62 from New Jersey and a third down. He knows to just been the gnarliest bastard that you can <laughs> Oh my God. And as a matter of fact, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot his instructor's name. But his instructor, God, I can't even remember the names now. He's like a third generation under Funabushi. Wow. Yeah. And so we were doing the most insane regiments. It was, you know, it was just at this point in time, I am I'm in my early thirties at this point in time. I got a real job. I got a career, you know, and he hated it when you put on gloves, you know, so you're, <laughs> you're hitting it back to where right? You're hitting it, just hitting it raw dog. And, there was a guy who worked with us, his name was Dan. He worked at Wachovia Bank. That's how long ago this was. He worked at Wachovia Bank. He was a teller. And every day when we do bag work or any kind of striking, because we had the heavy duty keys also, mm-hmm. you know, heavy keys. And there was no air conditioning. There was one industrial size fan in the dojo. And I would be hanging out by the fan just about to pass the fuck out, you know. And I'm like, oh my God, this is insane. And because that's nothing like a Taekwondo It's not, you know, Shotokan and Taekwondo are literally nothing alike. You know, competitions in Taekwondo, I tell my guys all the time, competition in Taekwondo is like a game of tag. You touch each other, they stop you, they award the point, and they, you know, you re-engage. In Shotokan competitions, you have to move your opponent. Mm-hmm. So if a guy has a rooted stance, he's not going anywhere if you just, you know, tag him. You have to really rock him in order for him to step and, and disrupt his gravity. That's the only way you get a point. So the school was brutal. I had blood on my key every single day, you know. But um, but back to Dan, Dan would Dan would run out to his car to get his gloves. And uh, Sensei Chapman would be like, I didn't know you were a hand model for Palm Olive, Dan. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was like he always had something to say. All of it is like, man, I work in a bank. I can't count people's money with busted up nothing and every day he would brag Dan about playing blood, you know? And is so it, now, you know, it's, yeah. It is interesting though, because I came from traditional karate background, although I did Shukakai rather than Shotokan. And even when okay. I was doing it, this was like in the, you know, the mid eighties, okay. it was still hard, but it was, it, it kind of petered off. 
in the states because obviously coming from england it's a slightly different environment anyway but at what point did you start to see karate and the more traditional systems kind of drift away from what made them special because there were some tough bastards back in the day doing those karate. they're real yeah. tough tough men um yeah, yeah. And so when, you know, that's when you said my instructor was a third down from Jersey, I'm like, ooh. <laughs> 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 ooh. Um, yeah. Was this something you've noticed in the martial arts like over the years? Because I'm not sure I can exactly pinpoint when I happened in my own, because obviously I'm more concerned my own training. But from your sure. perspective, did you ever notice there was a kind of drift coming in? No, I, I never noticed. I, well, let me rephrase that. I never noticed that there was a vast difference mm. until I started studying Shotokan. Mm. And, and since they chatting with Yell Across the Dojo, you know, and he was like, get that shit out of here, Korea. He would call me Korea. And so, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was my nickname, you know, because I come from a take by those school, and everything I did was wrong. Everything I did was wrong. And he was like, that's not how we do it here, Korea. <laughs> I just could not get it, you know. But the sparring was entirely different. Um, it was very much a hard style. Mm. Um, but I, I mean, I think it changed, and this is just me speculating, I think it changed primarily from the movies, right? Like right. Karate Kid and the yeah, 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 yeah. And, and all that stuff. I think, I mean, that definitely affected the commercial market. You know, you got to take on those people. Definitely. Movies, you know, but I think that also led to okay we don't want to we don't want a kid to get hurt we don't want one we don't want the kids to get hurt so everything had to, had to soften a little bit we're doing more pad work less sparring um uh a lot less traditional training uh, yes I, I mean even in other japanese schools i haven't really seen that that macarera i haven't really seen it you know um or i've seen i've actually seen guys hit that with gloves and I know, I'm like, that's not, <laughs> that's not, not what it's for. <laughs> it's really <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's just me speculating. I think just the you know, commercial market being driven by the movies. Um, it's and, also, I mean, it's an interesting point because it could also be sellable because martial arts shifted from, it was like the spit and sawdust, uh, you know, backyard dojos in, in the warehouses mm -hmm. and things. Then it kind of became the Bruce Lee era, for want of a better descriptor for it, and like sure. you said, the Kung Fu crazies. Then we started to creep into things like, obviously, slightly earlier, we had like the Hong Kong Fui and the Shang-Chi and the comics, then the mm -hmm. Ninja Turtles, then the Power Rangers. And mm -hmm. so it gradually, by osmosis, became mainstream. And I suppose you could argue that when anything becomes mainstream, it instantly loses something of its edge. Absolutely. Absolutely, um, it has a, to be. It a beautiful be segue into hip-hop later on. I really wish I'd not timed that link quite so badly because I'm not done with the martial <laughs> arts yet. We'll come back to it. I might be doing some creative editing and make that one sound a lot smoother than it actually was. Hey, man, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is an interesting dichotomy that the martial arts, the more you move away from the, uh, the spit and sawdust and you get more into the esoteric side of things you sort of lose that edge to it and then it becomes more sure. spit and sawdust but then the spit and sawdust loses its edge because it's imbalanced so it right, is all right, about right, that right. synthesis and things uh, um, speaking of which how was it you came to Jeet Kune Do then? um jeez uh, I think it was it was my career it was 
me working and actually making, you know, a, a decent amount of money, right. um, I'm thinking, okay, I want to get back into martial arts. And so- Are you taking a break then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is after, this is after Sensei Chapman. This is after, uh, after the full contact stuff. That's when I was exposed to, <laughs> to uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Oh. And I was like, I'm, I'm way too small. Because every, everyone, you know, I come from a Taekwondo background, which is primarily a kicking art. Mm-hmm. Shotokan, definitely a striking art. So I'm a striker, you know, and all of these guys would want to take me down. And that's, that's what it turned into. It was like, okay, this guy's going to punch you or he's going to kick you. Grab his legs, take him down. And of course, that's a whole new world. Yes. You know, and I'm like, I, I need to fix this. You know, I need to do something about this. But, but going back to your question, um, I did not know until I was an adult that there was such a thing as Jikundo. You know, you're growing up, you're watching the movies and whatnot, and it's all mm. the same when you're a kid. Sure. Um, but I can't remember the exact moment, but I remember where I was living when I made the decision to uh, join Buna. And I did the whole budgeting thing, you know, can I, can I afford this, this, that, third. So I'm, I'm flying out there back and forth. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm paying the monthly fees, I'm you know, flying out and taking time off from work and all this other good stuff. And that's how all that came about. But it was because of my, my full-time job, I was actually able to afford it and actually do it and it not, you know, and it not hurt me. Um, the VUNAC yeah, so years, yeah. years are always interesting to refer back to. And I make no bones about the time I spent on the VUNAC and training with VUNAC and, and in PFS. It was a, mm-hmm. a great time. I enjoyed it. Um, sure. I had some exposure prior through Jack McVicker, of course. So I had a grounding in PFS before I joined PFS, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then... We all know what happened. There was the civil sure. one or better where we all split. We did our thing, blah right. blah blah. But I always do look back fondly on the time with Vunak um, and in DOM, the Descendants mm-hmm. of the Masters program. For those who don't know mm-hmm. what that was, it was like one of um, the, the the probably the last big PFS launch, I think. Sure. This little small scale now. How did you find mm-hmm. the training was with Vunak back then? Because an enigmatic guy, he seems to peak and trough. In mm-hmm. regards to if you catch him at a trough, you're probably not getting the best training from him. Still good, but it's not his best. Sure. If you catch him at a peak, if you catch him at a peak, you're really getting the good shit. Yeah. How did you find it? Um, the interesting, I, I found it through, I, God, I guess it was a Black Belt magazine, something like that. Uh-huh. And that's when I, I reached out to them. And that's when I just simply went out. I just sucked it up and flew out to my first. Uh, Seminar, convention, workshop, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have anything to compare it to. You know, everything was just raw, uh, and we were out in the dust and the dirt. You know, sleeping bags out in the middle of the streets or whatever the hell it was, a road or whatever. It was just, I'm, I'm thinking snakes are going to come out of anywhere. Oh, you but, did the old Sierra mountain retreat, the old yeah, the full, yeah, 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 the full on. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. This was maybe 2000. Shit. What is, 2010. Yeah, Sierra. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sierra somewhere. I think that was actually the year before we met, if memory serves. It was. It yeah. certainly was. Uh, I met I met uh, Officer D 
at Sierra. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm a professor over there. Um, oh gosh, I forgot this guy's name. He ran, he ran Pride Dojo in Ohio. I forgot his name. I bumped into him at the, at the airport and a couple other guys. But that's when I realized that this was nothing like what I was used to doing. Mm. Absolutely nothing. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that's why you see like in some of my training videos, I'm very specific with my language because those guys were speaking shorthand. You know, I, yeah. I, I would, you know, I would hear Pak Sada and then a few moments later, later I would hear Pak. And I went, wait, wait, <laughs> is that the same thing? Or what are we doing here? You know, and they're like, well, you know, when you Pak, you just kind of, wait, no, 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 you're talking too fast. Slow it down, slow it down. I, I paid way too much money to not know what the hell was going on. Pump your brakes, you know? And uh, it was just, and, and uh, uh, Gwyneth actually teased me about it. So I guess it was maybe a Friday, Thursday night when I first got there. We went through the whole, the whole day of training. And that night I said, see, this is a lot of shit. And he was like, well, you know, hang in there, you get it, you know, da 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 da, you know, whatever comforting words you know, he said. The very next morning, he brought it up to the group. And he said, where's that little guy? Where's, where is he? Where's the little guy? Here, come here, come here, come here. Brought me down in front of everyone. We were under the big giant tent, you know, and he put me on the spot. And he was like, tell me what you said. Tell, tell me what you said last night. And I was like, see, this is a lot of shit. And everyone just bust out laughing. And I'm like, I'm dead ass serious. This is a lot of information, dude. What the hell? You know, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's how that whole journey began. That's how that whole journey began. Wow. Fascinating, man. And now here we are to this day, still, yeah, still rocking yeah, it, yeah. still smacking it. Um, yeah, having my fat ass lying you in the beaten down California <laughs> sunshine and things like that. It's good. Oh my God. That was insane. It was like, how did he, it was like a, a freaking magic trick every time I turned around. It was like, how did you do that? I, I often I, I find that increasingly these days when we're working with guys obviously like Singh like the professor and Marcel mm-hmm. uh, my coach Harry Darren all the guys and it's like this is sorcery I'm not sure I can ever, I'm not sure I can ever do this um, right. and then two, two years later you look back and I said this to you that I was discussing to someone sometimes you actually you're so busy looking at the top of the mountain you forget to look back to see how far you've actually climbed Mm. Um, and I've got to say, watching your own journey within uh, Black Phoenix and how the dojo uh, or your queen more accurately grows is actually yeah. a bit amazing because it's, it's just watching it expand and you've got your online program and, and all that sort yeah. of thing. But there's one particular student of yours, I use the word loosely, that I want okay. to uh, make reference to, which is that day I had a photo pop up in my messenger and it yeah. said, hey, look who popped in. And it was you and it was Griff. Professor Griff from, ah! okay, from Public Enemy was in there. <laughs> I was at the other end. So for those of you that don't know, let me tell you about the first time that I properly talked with Khalil. Because we'd said hi, you know, it was at the Honey Beach, 2011, California. It was the Descendants mm-hmm. of the Masters first. The, the uh, we went Bash on the Beach, I think it was. Yeah, the, it was exactly the Bash of the Beach. And one, that, was, yeah. that was quite the event. Um, actually, you know what? I've still got so many great memories of that event. It really was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we got talking, and I think one of the first things you said is, "Oh, dude, you're English. Can't let my wife hear your accent." And I was like, <laughs> "And I was like, okay, pleased to meet you." <laughs> uh, 
Um, but we yes. got talking, and I remember you said, "Yeah, yeah, I, I, I've been on tour in England. Yeah, when I was when I was uh, in a band, you know, I went out there, and mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I was, oh, cool, yeah, you know, when I went to Manchester, where she, where you're from, yeah, it was yeah. cool, you know, played your pole there. So, what was your band? And you threw it out so casually, like, oh, it's Public Enemy, and then you like went into the next sentence, and you got two syllables in, and I was like, back the fuck up." <laughs> Because I'm like, no, 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 no. It's like, unless you were saying, well, look at this big, dull, pasty, white yeah. boy. He ain't going to know this band is, is he? He's right? from England. He's not going to know this band. I'm going to throw it out there. And I'm like, I say, oh, back the fuck up. Because I know you're not yeah, yeah, Chuck. Yeah. I know you're not Flav. I know you're not Grip. And I know you're not Terminator. Right, so right, I was right. like, were you an S1W? <laughs> uh, and <laughs> you, you sort of went, oh, he knows the band. Right, right, right. And then we started talking from that. And that was, I think, mm -hmm. the start of a beautiful friendship moving forward. Yeah, man. <laughs> it was quite special. Absolutely. I think so, we were at that picnic table. Yes, we were. It was when With, the... Uh, 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 Magnum from uh, Miami. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Mike was there too. Uh, Mike LeBlanc from Okotoks. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So we're talking to him. But what was interesting yeah, yeah. about that, and that was, a, see, that was a clumsy segue, but I don't care. I'm throwing a story anyway, because I love it. Um, <laughs> you trained with um so many people over the years within the martial yeah. arts that have that have changed your style your approaches and we've touched on that briefly but you were with in a band professor griff you toured with public enemy you know chuck you know flav and in fact if i remember rightly you actually offered to call chuck and say do you want to speak to him and i was like no <laughs> no maybe later exactly too much no i'll freak but to be around those guys from yeah. an aspiring hip-hop artist, uh, music artist, that must have been some next-level trip. How did that come about? How did you get involved with those guys? Oh, my God. That is... Now, you're talking about interesting stories. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to breeze through this because you know I can, I can talk. Oh, that's so, why I want you on. You tell a hell of a story. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, so I'm in, I'm in ROTC <coughs> all four years of high school, right? Mm -hmm. I graduate cadet colonel. My picture is still on the wall right now as one of the colonels. I was over the entire program. So I am on track to go into the military, right? That was, that was actually something I wanted to do ever since I was a kid, right? So one of my close friends, we used to do music and talent shows and just mess around and this stuff like third, but it wasn't really anything, you know, that, that I took seriously. And... This particular friend convinced me, he said, look, let's go to Miami. And because we were in Savannah, right? Mm -hmm. Miami was the closest thing. My, uh, Atlanta really hadn't popped off just yet as far as being a music place. Um, but Miami was, was, was definitely, you know, two live crew and all those cats. Everyone down there was making music. A bunch of independent labels were down there. So it was like, look, let's go down to Miami, see if we can get a deal. And uh, if we get a deal, then you don't go into the military. Now, mind you, <laughs> this is, mind you, uh, I took the ASVAB, is the, is, that's the military entrance exam. Mm -hmm. I took it before I was even old enough to go into the military because I wanted to practice. Wow. I yeah, I took the ASVAB that, three That's times. a dream you've been pursuing for a while Ooh. now. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, Sergeant Major was like, he talked to the recruiter, and he was like, yeah, let him, let him sit in, you know, whatever, whatever. I was maybe 15 years old, and I would sit in the corner and I would go do the test. But anyway, 
Um, this friend says, uh, so we'll go down, to, you know, go down to Miami. If we get a deal, then you don't go into the military. Now, my stupid ass agreed. <laughs> right? Because I'm thinking, what is, what's the probability, right? What, is, you know, what are the odds of this happening, right? Now, mind you, this is what happened prior to that conversation. I've already gone to Fort Jackson. I'd already had my, uh, my, uh, my, my physical exam, my mental exam. I've, done, I've, I've gone through that whole business, right? I, I was in a delayed entry program. I come back home, get into a fight in the middle of the street, literally in the middle of the major intersection back home, Victory Drive and Abercorn, me and a couple of my buddies in the middle of the street fighting these guys in the middle of the street. So we're driving. I'm, I'm on the passenger side. My boy's driving. Corey, he's driving. We come to the red light, and he's talking, just casually chit-chatting, blah, 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 blah. A dude walks up, sight unseen, and punches Corey through the window. And Corey just all of a sudden jerks back, you know, and he's like, what the hell? And the guy was like talking trash, whatever, blah, 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 blah. I, I guess Corey cut him off. I don't know. We never really knew what the hell happened. And so, and so Corey, uh, Corey jumps out. He said, yo, hand me my stick. So he had this, <laughs> it was like a two by four in the back, in the back seat. So he says stick, he, he means stick. plank. <laughs> right, basically, right? But it gets better. <laughs> He's, so <laughs> every time you swung the stick, he would tap it on the ground twice. He'd go tap, tap, and swing. <laughs> so I don't know. That's what he did. It was just like, what the hell is he doing? Like a queen like, song. I'm sitting in the right. Yeah, just tap. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to use that. And so hey, I'm sitting on the passenger seat and I'm like, oh my God, I do not believe this is happening. I do not want to get involved in this, right? So he hits the guy one last time, breaks the stick. So now he, he has this nub of a stick and he's running around panicking and freaking out. And I'm like, oh, I guess I have to get involved. So I get out. All right, dude. All right, all right, all right. That's it. That's, you know, it's, it's over. It's over. Blah, blah, blah. Dude turns around. He's like, oh, you want some of this too? And I was like, no, I don't want any of that either. So I'm good. Takes a swing at me. I'm like, oh, okay. You want to be hard-headed. In my mind. I get to practice my martial arts. So, so I square up on the guy and I'm dancing around, you know, and Corey comes up and hits the guy. The guy looks at Corey. I take that opportunity to hit the dude when he's not looking. Bam! Hit him right above his eye. I jump back. Yeah, that felt good, didn't it? Yeah, that felt I'm I'm just full of myself at this point. Okay. So uh, his friend gets out the car gonna jump my friend and so now it's a big melee right so now we're scrambling in the this is a major intersection i'm trying to tell you this is a major intersection. we're running around this is a victory drive not Abercorn, victory drive and uh waters big driving water back and forth we're running around in big circles and whatnot a friend of mine who was in the back seat he jumps into the driver's seat pulls off runs around picks corey up corey jumps in rides around the block comes picks me up i jump in the car we take off we're laughing, just dying laughing. Oh, man, that was crazy. I got that. The next morning, my hand is broken. Because I'm in the back seat, and I'm like, damn, my hand. Oh, that was crazy, man. That was insane. Damn, my hand. You know, it's, you know, not really thinking. 
I wake up the next morning, my hand is like this big. And I yell out to my mom, Mama! My hand is out, Mama! <laughs> oh my God. So we go, you know, we go to the, to, the, to the doctor, we get a cast on my hand. Now, this was maybe a week, maybe two before I was supposed to ship out. Oh, shit. Right? So I'm 17 at this point in time. You know, somewhere from there. I graduated when I was 17 or so. 17, 18. I'm somewhere from there. And uh, so they say, well, you still have to ship to show them that you can't go through the teeth. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, I, I wanted to go anyway. So they were like, you can't go, you know? So I go up to, uh, I go back to Fort Jackson, go through the whole process again, do the x-rays and yeah, you can't, you know? So I changed my MOS. That was a whole other conversation. That's a whole other story about how my MOS, was, that was insane. But anyway, for those of you who don't know, MOS is the actual job that, you, that you're supposed to do when you get in. And so my scores were off the charts. And so I had this, I had, I could pick pretty much anything and the military would pay for my school, you know. But like I said, that's a whole other conversation. So I come back home, I had the cast on my hand, and now I'm just hanging out, literally waiting for my hand to heal. This is when I get the home phone call from my homeboy. He's like, yo, dude, you get this deal, you don't have to go. And I'm not looking at it as something that I have to do. I'm like, no, 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 this is what I want to do. Well, anyway, fast forward, we go to Miami, get signed. We go down there and get a deal. Which is, and I'm like, doesn't happen. It's it's not that does not happen. That way. Dude, we went from label to label in these offices, just wrapping our little hearts out. You know, and they were like, no, no, no. Even Luke, Luke saw us. This was after we'd been signed. This is after we moved to Miami, but Luke heard us. Uh, the, Luke the, being the Luke Skywalker, yeah? Yeah, yeah, Luke Skywalker. I'm sorry, Luke Skywalker. He, he, he I know, I know I'm picking up what you're laying down. So <laughs> this was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, the, the president of the label takes us to Luke because he's kind of like in competition with Luke, mm-hmm. right? So whatever Luke does, he's trying to outdo it, right? He had a couple of guys who were on the charts, right? And uh, so he would, he called us the New York boys. And I'm like, we are not from New York, dude. Let's not, we, you know, this is, you know, <laughs> you're fresh out of breakdance period going into hip, you know, going into rap or whatnot. So you don't front, you don't perpetrate by where you're from. No, no. You no. know, and, and you're not, you're not no, going to rise. You know, you exactly. <laughs> there you go, right? And so I'm like, no, 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 don't tell people that. So he's like, that's what I'm saying. So we go to Luke, and he's like, yeah, yeah, this is the New York boys I was telling you about. Go ahead, boys, pop some of that shit off. So we're standing in front of Luke doing one of our songs. And Luke is just kind of going through paperwork, just working. You know, we're just standing in front of him, just wrapping our little hearts out. And he's, you know, and we finish. And he looks up and he's like, this shit ain't going to sell no records. And he goes back to the Oh, shit. <laughs> that is cold. Oh, hey, man. You started. He was like, you can't dance to that. You can't dance to that. You know, I was like, what, how you this? You know, and we're like, yeah, but that's not, that's not what we're doing. We, you know, that's not our sound. And the president of the label, when I said that's not our sound, he said, do you have a hit record? And I said, yeah. no. He said, well, you don't have no damn sound. Oh. 
I mean, yeah, it's cold. It's, this is like you can't pay for <laughs> advice like this. I suppose it's just cold. You got like, all these expected kids there. Like this is gonna oh, be y'all suck. Get the fuck out. You know exactly, <laughs> exactly. And that that whole ordeal that was crazy in and of itself. You know, um, there were a lot of people who came through those doors at that time. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of people who I met. You know, that, you know, some went on to blow up, others didn't. Um, was that the time a, a vagrant made me tell me you, you went to Sleeping Bag? Um, and, I went to Sleeping Bag, Sleeping Bag Records. Damn, you Sleeping Bag. <laughs> Why would I remember Sleeping, Sleeping Bag? Do you remember I was asking you how you met Just Ice and you said you didn't? You saw this huge dude asking for a cheeseburger and that was a close issue. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. This was, this was after Miami. This right. my because look when we went down there and we got signed and who signed you? Was, let, let, let's let's dial it back because you and me are both yeah. as bad as each other for going off on tangents. It really is. Let's, let's, <laughs> right, let's, right. I'm, I'm going to put my podcast ahead <laughs> on right now. It's a fascinating story. Clear. Let's dial it back. There you go. So who actually go. signed you down there in Miami? Which label did you go with? Suntown Records. We were signed to Suntown, and uh, after Suntown, we signed to another label. I can't remember the name of the label. And the label that I can't remember is the ones who, who actually jacked me for, for one of my songs. Right. But Suntown Records, they had a couple of hit songs, um, uh, a couple of hit, a uh, couple of groups that had a couple of hit songs. Couple of hit Anybody singles. that we know? Um, BVSP, I think it was what. BVSMP. I need you. Yeah. Those Cha na 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 na. Yeah. Man, Yo, hey, check this out. They were on Suntown. They were terrible. Yeah, but that was a hit. <laughs> So they were song, very, oh dude, it was huge. That song that was massive huge. in that the UK. Talk, uh, yeah, it really. Yeah, it, it's it huge cracked, hit. Uh, it, it cracked. Um, I, I want to say the top one hundred on Billboard. That hit number one in the UK, unless I'm very much mistaken. Oh, it would, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't yeah, doubt it was it was, it was a big it. summer hit. It really was. Yeah, and um, who else? Uh, Afro Weekend. They had a song called "Give the DJ a Break." It was like an instrumental, it was just an instrumental song, okay, okay, okay. you know, with a bunch of beat breaks and whatnot, but that was big also. Uh, and then the guy who we were bunking with, um, the label, so the studio was, the label had a studio, which is all in one, and they owned a, an apartment complex, which is next door. Mm-hmm. So that's where we, that's where we live. And we were living with the guy, Chilla Frost. Chilla. <coughs> Oh gosh, I'm saying something I shouldn't be saying. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Chilla, Chilla had a hit song. Uh, he sampled uh, Teddy Pendergrass, Get Up, Get Down, Get Funky, Get Loose. Right. Get up, get down, get funky, get loose. Well, anyway, he sampled that and turned it into a Miami bass song. It was a hit. <clears throat> Cracked top 40 on wow. Billboard. Still living with us, broke as hell. Like nobody had any money. It was insane. Did you think this was a thing? Like, okay, so he got a hit. He's here with us. This is probably isn't going to be. Oh, it, it was just like, hey, this is what we're doing now. Well, no, we were like, okay. I think it's kind of like the the ego. It was like, okay, you're broke because you don't know what you're doing. Right. How can you have a hit record and you're still broke? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not going to be us. That's not going to be us. But check this out. When we're there, guess who shows up? To uh, to talk to the president to get a deal, speech. Oh, from Arrested Development. Oh, <clears throat> yeah. Him and Chilla knew each other. They knew each other. So he comes up. He stays the night. He goes in to have a meeting 
with uh, with Meriwether, who was the president of the label, and <laughs> they're in there talking all day long. And that's when he had the name uh, Arrested Development, mm-hmm. right? He already had that name. <laughs> they were much more militant at that point in time. Yeah, our name was called Secret Weapon, so our whole vernacular was military, you know, innuendo and vocabulary and the whole business, you know. It was insane, you know. I come through the streets like a tank, you know. <laughs> Everything, you know, camouflage and the whole business. Um, you want a little junior kill on me? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. We were, dude. I promise. If I could remember one of those rhymes, you, you, you'd be like, okay, I see what you're talking. About. Oh, challenge! Because I'm booking you for another podcast after this one, just so you know. So you got to dig one out for the next one. We'll, we'll make it. I, I'll, I'll see what I can uh, scrape up. <laughs> but um. So Chilla comes down, I mean, uh, uh, Speech comes in, he meets with him, they're talking all day. Speech never does sign. Speech doesn't sign the deal. He talks to Chilla, Chilla talks to us and says that Meriwether said that he knows too much. Speech had just graduated from the Art Institute of Atlanta. So he knows and understands contracts. All right. Right? So yeah, he, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want this, I want that, and da 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 da. So he never did sign. So fast forward. So so the whole thing crashes and burns as far as I would be in Miami. I'm back home. This is just before we go to sleeping bag. So I'm at home trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do because I'm not going in the military. Everyone now knows that I had a deal. It's all over the city. Everyone knows that I had a regular deal. I have to follow through with this. I have to make this happen. <clears throat> so now I'm working at a hotel and I, I was a bellhop. So I would take the bags to the room. I would turn the television on to either Yo MTV Raps or uh, Rap City. Yep. So I'm watching those, and I would turn the channel, turn the channel, turn it off, and I would go back downstairs to my post. Well, I turned it on, and at the beginning of the video, it says, brand new from, well, let me back up a little bit. While I'm home, I see that uh, Speech and the rest of the development got signed to Chrysalis. I knew Chrysalis Records because that's the label that uh, Gangstar was on. Yes. So I'm like, holy crap, they have a deal. This was in the Source magazine. So I was like, holy crap, they got a, you know, that's the dude that we met in Miami, you know. So fast forward about a year later, brand new from Chrysalis <laughs> Records, uh, uh, brand new artist, Arrested Development. So I'm sitting there with the, with the, the bags in my hand. I'm setting the bags down. And I'm like, why does that sound familiar? And you know, you hear the beginning, Tennessee, 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 Tennessee. And I turn around and I said, Oh crap, that's speech. And he's like, Lord, I really been so stressed. Down and out. I'm like, Holy crap, that's speech. I'm like, Oh my God, these dudes got a, they got a video. Oh my God, this is insane. And I remember the last time I saw him, it was at Jack the Rapper. So this was after Miami, before he got signed. So I'm with some guys who were signed in Miami who actually got a deal with Swats. Remember Swats Records for uh, yeah, yeah. Sir Mix-a-Lot? Yes, yes, Sir yes. Sir Mix-a-Lot signed those guys. And so they, you know, they pulled us, yo, yo, come on in. And the Jack the Rapper security was so tight. We had to have passes and all this other stuff. So they snuck us in. So as they're rushing me through the doors, Speech is standing by the door and he sees me and he, he reaches out to me. I turned, oh, yo, what's up, man? And they shoved me into the door. That's the last time I saw him. Oh, shit. Fast forward. Yeah, that was the last time I saw him. Never had a real conversation since then. Fast forward. Now he has the deal. Videos all over the place. We were DJing back home, so we broke the song in Savannah, pushed it, and of course, the rest is history as far as they're concerned. 
<laughs> but while we're in Miami, so fast forward, I'm, we go back to Miami. This was maybe 89 or 90. We go back to Miami. We go to Luke Records. Now it's Luke Records as opposed to Luke Skywalker. We go there. We want to see Luke. He had a camera. Yeah, we, we want to see Luke. You know, guess who opens the door? Professor Griff. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, Griff opens the door. He opens the door and he's like, yo, I can't see Luke. What are you talking about? You want to come here and see Luke? So we chit-chat. Da, 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 da. So that's the first time I met him. First How was he back then? Because Griff has got a reputation for not being the most affable kind of dude. This was right after he was pushed out of public enemy. Oh, right. So just when he was doing the last Asiatic Disciples. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It hadn't even come out yet. Luke shit. had just signed it. Right, right, right. That's how fresh all of that stuff Holy was. Holy shit. So that's why he was there. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll cover that with, our, with my touring. <laughs> we might have to. This is definitely going to be yeah, a part yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to yeah. part two this month. Um, <laughs> so okay. So let me let me. Okay. So so uh, so like I said, that was like eighty nine or ninety. Fast forward, I moved to Atlanta to go to school. I moved to Atlanta to do music, but I used school as an excuse. You know, I needed some place to be. I needed something to do. You know, while I'm trying to make music. Well, anyway, uh, I'm doing the local circuit. I'm doing every you know, showcase, talent show, everything I can get into. And I developed somewhat of a local following, right? So everyone's like, yo, Power Born, that was my moniker, right? You know, Power Born is going to be in the house tonight, blah, 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 blah. So I'm on stage. I was, dude, I've come a long way as far as my politics are concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, I was radical as hell. You could not have a decent conversation with me. Oh, without wow. me questioning every single thing that you say. Were you full NOI I mean, back then or say it again? Were you NOI back then? Or you just No. No? You, no, you no, were no, just... no, no. I, I registered I registered in ninety five. Right. Ninety five is when I got so we're talking about I'm I'm at at that point in time I'm in the five percent. And so oh, it's shit. all there you about go. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's all about, you know, that is what I'm you know, four righteous teachers, brand new and that's that's what I'm dealing with. Whoa. And I'm on, and I get this. This is how far I've come. My stage show, I used to walk around burning the flag. Oh, yeah, I would be on stage, you know, dude, I was, like I said, dude, I was insane. You go through those periods, I suppose. Well, middle class uh, white boy from Manchester, I didn't, but I get it, you know. It's, yeah, oh, <laughs> dude, it's, it's, all yeah, I, can, I, I, don't, I, I don't mean to demean it, but all I can think of sure. is CB4. You know when CB4 and the film split up? And yes. Like, I'm yes, black, yes, yes. And I'm black. I'm black. I'm yes. Black. This is literally what I'm seeing right now. That was me, dude. That nice. was me. <laughs> that was me. Uh, and I related to it. I saw it and I was laughing. I was like, oh my God, I was, I was, I was out my freaking mind. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, but I would go on stage. I, I didn't have dance. I didn't have back. I was a solo actor. Right. I would come on stage. And, you know, people would just be, I, I played in the roughest clubs, in the roughest clubs. And I would walk on stage, you know, and people start, you know, not really paying any attention. And I learned early on that you have to grab people's attention and, and hold it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would walk on stage and I'm like, yo, yo, you know, and everybody like, hey, what is this dude doing? And I would pull the flag out, like I had a little mini flag. Mm -hmm. And I would say, who got a motherfucking lighter? And the whole place would light up with lights. Yeah. And the, yeah, the place would go bananas. Yeah, 
oh, this dude is crazy. You know, and so I would hand it, would light it, and then I'd pass it around, and now I got everyone's attention. You know. So this is the same principle. This is like Kiss, Marilyn Manson. It's rock and roll, just in a different kind of music. Yeah. Form, but it's the same thing. It's that big stage That's show. shocking. Exactly. Dude, I'm yeah, telling man. you, I studied performers. Like, Marilyn Manson is one of the best performers I've ever seen. Agreed. And I'm like, you know, and I'm looking at it from a production value, right? I'm not, you know, music and all that, blah, 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 but I'm studying this dude. And I'm like, look at this guy on stage, him, MC Hammer. You have to study what they're doing on stage, you know? And I'm like, wow, this dude has a freaking circus going on on this. Everywhere you look, there's something going on. And with me being a solo artist, I had to create that environment just mm. with myself, you know? Mm. So I had a song called Nine in My Drawings. I was talking about walking around with a nine millimeter in the, in, you know, because you know, in the hood, you wear your gun in the front of your pants, right? Nine in your drawers. And so I'm like, yo, yo, when I say I got a nine, and no one, no one's really paying attention to me. So I pull it out the small of my back, put the clip in, chamber the round, put it in the front, and they'll be like, this is crazy. And I'll be like, now that I got your motherfucking attention, <laughs> yeah. I got a nine. You say in my drawers, in my mind, tell me someone's got footage of this. Tell me it exists. What's the oh, video? Yeah. No. Not, not Damn. That I know. Uh, dude, I had the crap. They would be like, this little dude is off the chain. And I and uh, you know, I had I had short verses. You know, everyone did 16, 16 bar verses. I would do 16 bar verses. But I had little hooks in my verse, so I, mm. I would realize that I'm starting to lose the crowd, and I would have like a repetitive phrase or something like that, so that they, they could participate. People want to participate with the talent that's on stage. Mm -hmm. So I was like, "Got a nine, got a nine, you know," and they got into it, you know, and that's that's when Professor Griff saw me again, and so he was like, he left he left his phone number, his name and number with the DJ. He said, yo, tell him to give me a call, you know, when he, you know, when, it, when the smoke settles or whatever, when the dust settles. So I reached out to him and he was like, dude, you remind me a lot of myself. And of course, that was a massive compliment. Oh, of course, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, holy crap. He said, yo, I want to work with you, this, that, third. So I, I actually wrote some stuff for, uh, what was that name? What was that album? It was a profit. It was something profits album. It was an all green album. It was another solo album that he had. Mm -hmm. I wrote like, like three songs on that album. Um, but uh, that's when I got down with Grip. And at that point in time, everywhere you saw him, you saw me. I was his shadow. I mean, for maybe four or five years, like day in and day out. And going to his house was like a kid in the candy store. If you're into books and knowledge and information, all that mm. stuff. Every single room he had a book. He had bookshelves. Every single room. You go into the kitchen. There are books all over the place. You're walking down the hallway in the house. There's books all over the place. And Every that, single bedroom. That, that's room. very much Griff's reputation. It's like yeah. whether you concur or agree with his politics or not, the right. dude's always reading this shit. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and that's I the mean. Thing. Yeah, man. We're, we're, we're about to hit our hour. So I'm going to overrun by a few minutes simply because this is just 
fascinating. This is why I wanted you on, bro. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> no, this, is, this is exactly why I wanted you on. <laughs> I'm All mentally right. fishing, you know. It's good. No, this is awesome stuff because this is opening up this whole new vista because now we're at a point where you've got mentor. Like yeah. Riff. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that you still don't have traces or roots of that belief system from back when sure. you were there. But as you buy your own admission and as we sure. discussed, you have changed and evolved over the years. Mm-hmm. Have you found that and this can apply to many things in life, including martial arts, I suppose, did you outgrow yeah. him or did you just kind of drift <laughs> a little bit and then it got wider? Because I mean you you're clearly still tight now and you're hanging shit mm-hmm. like that as well. But you are almost not separate, but you're definitely at a right, very right, right. different spectrum end um, from philosophy. Right, right, right. I would, I would say, I wouldn't phrase it that way. I would uh-huh. rather say I've matured with my own ideology and my okay. own personal philosophy. Okay. You know what I mean? I can comfortably, I can comfortably, I can comfortably disagree with someone who I highly respect. Very and, true. And that you know is true. I mean? and, that, that that is a challenge, man. That's a challenge because you you know you're you're around someone like that, someone who you know you naturally you hold them on a high on a high pedestal. And it's like that's who this is. You're running with this guy, you know. And so in the beginning, it was me biting my tongue because quite simply, you know more than me. Mm. So if I'm mm. disagreeing, I would often attribute it to my ignorance. Okay. But yeah, I can see I that. Con- you know what I mean? So I, but I continue to study. I continue to question. You know, I'm, I'm doing deep dives. I mean, even when we were on tour, he wanted me to do the press, which was fine. I'm, that's not a diss. That's not a slight. He would just rather me do the press. And so, obviously, I'm happy with that because no one knows who the hell I am until I start running my mouth. They're like, oh, we want to interview this dude, you know. But, um... I remember we were on, we were getting ready to go on tour. Uh, so yeah, he, you know, we met, we were about, so that's when he put together the seventh author. And um, I had, I was done with music. I didn't like the direction that the whole industry was going. Mm-hmm. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't, you know, I can't rhyme about, you know, money and bitches and hoes and this, that third. I can't, you know, I can't, I, I have the talent to do it, I, you know, I've written for other people, you know, I've ghostwritten some songs and this, that, and the third. I can, I can do it, I don't want to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a big difference. There's no passion there and I, I'm not, I can't do that, man. I can't do that. So, I'm done with music, now I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm gonna do with my life at this point. I still have my career in hotels, but a friend of mine, close friend of mine, uh, the, same, the same friend who actually got Lord of Squad in Public Enemy. Right, because we all grew up together. Me and Lotus Wife grew up together. Right, right. Um, down, so down in Savannah. But anyway, um, he says, you know, Griff is putting together a band. And I was like, I hadn't talked to Griff in a, in a minute. He's like, yo, dude, need to give him a call because he needs an MC. And I was like, ah, I hadn't talked to Griff in a couple of years. I don't know. And so anyway, I call him. He's like, yo, man, what's going on? I was wondering where you were. <laughs> you know, what's going on, man? Yo, let's hook up, man. So maybe like that night, like that night, we hooked up, he gave me a cassette, cassette tape, gave me a cassette tape with tons of instruments. Mm-hmm. And this is, this was the time when Linkin Park had first come out. Um, oh God. Uh, I feel so alive. Oh, P.O.D. Yeah, P.O.D. came out. Yeah, those guys were out. Linkin Park was out. 
Um, um, CeeLo had just come out with his first solo album before he got down with Dead Mouse. Mm-hmm. So he had a solo album. Uh, I think it's like Life and Times of CeeLo Green or something like that. So all this was out at that point in time. And he was like, this is what I want to do. I want to do like a rock rap kind of a deal, sort of like Raging Us the Machine. And I was like, okay, I've never rhymed with a, with a live band before, you know, and I've never done the whole rock thing, but my style is naturally aggressive. Yes. You know, my thing is natural. So I'm like, all right, let me give this a try. So he's like, just write to whatever track pulls you, and that's what we'll develop. So I'm listening to the tracks and listening, and maybe like, dude, there's maybe like 30 some odd instrumentals on that tape. You know, and I, I would find one, I would come, come, come up with the concept, you know, the whole ideology, the whole premise, and I would write, you know, whatever I felt. Those were the songs that ended up being on the first album. Wow. That's what ended up being on the first album. No, yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, that, that Seventh yeah, Octave, and your first album was, remind me again. The Seventh Degree. Seventh Degree, that was it. The seventh okay. Degree. Yeah, it's yeah, actually, yeah. we play it a lot in the dojo. Yeah, I remember yeah. you told me that, and I was like, that's insane. We actually do. Okay, so <laughs> highlights of the album for anyone who wants to search it out just to get a taste for it. Voices of the Fist, um, I think, is a, a really powerful track. Um, most people know Psychedelic Holy Ghost as well. Um, but mm. the one that I really, really like is Pressure. Uh, I love Pressure. Uh, I took him that concept because I wanted to do it as a solo. Yeah. And I wanted to really do it like, like, really replay the Billy Joel track. Yes. And so... I remember, because you actually changed the, the, the kind of feel of it a little bit. Yes, yeah, 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 he yeah. plays it backwards. Yes, 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 that was I, it. I, yeah. He plays it backwards. And he played it, and he was, you know, he's playing around with it, playing around with it, playing around with it, and Griff was like, man, rock that shit out. And he was just more aggressive, more aggressive. He said, come on, man, you can do better than that. I, re- I, never, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were in the studio, and he's just playing it, and Kyrie is maybe like 20 years old at this point in time. You know, playing the guy on lead guitar. It was like 20 yeah. at that point. And Griffiths is laying into him. He's like, dude, come on, man. Give me give me something, man. You want to be the next Hendrix? Give it to me. He's playing with it, playing. Then he's like, can I play it backwards? He's like, I don't give a fuck how you play it, but just play it. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he plays it, and the way he played it then is what you hear on the album. That's what you hear on the album. Yeah. And he just rocked it. I was like, oh, man. You know, and so the part in the, the chorus, that's the part that he flipped. You know, young black male this time today, got a duck cops and BS rays, search warrants, I'm under pressure. And, uh, you know, that's when we did yeah. that. And, um, oh, man. Yeah, and that became. Well, I know what we're playing tonight, put it that way. <laughs> that became the second biggest song that we had. It was, it was a great track as well. Yeah. Now, you also, I mean, we're fast running out of time, but i got to get this sure, out. Sure, sure. Your delivery style is so clean, but fast. It's, mm-hmm. who, did, who did you draw your inspiration from? Or was it just, this is just the way I rap? Did you have any? Because I, when I, whenever I was like stupid guy with a hairbrush and a shower, I shit at home. <laughs> um, I had my favorites, of course. You got, I mean, sure. my favorite, this is, this is my, my five MCs in the order of how I, they became my favorites. Okay. So, uh, okay. DMC, Daryl McDaniels was my very first. He was he was the guy I, I, I liked the most to start with. Okay. Yep. Um, then um, Rakim. Okay. Okay. Then KRS. Mm-hmm. Then Ice T. Okay. Then Chuck. Mm-hmm. 
then back to racket. <laughs> so I can't. So of course you got this pasty, skinny ass kid trying to sound like that. And I, I sounded ridiculous, man. So in the end, I ended up doing impressions of each rapper, and I didn't right. wear any shit like that. So I was beatboxing because I didn't have to have a style. Man. I didn't like beatboxed. Um, right. So this is easier. I don't have to actually sound. Like <laughs> Right, but because right. you're actually out there and you're making the sound, now you unconsciously or otherwise, when I'm doing martial arts, I try to adhere to the principles taught by my instructors, but there'll be things I'll do yep. and you will yep. see my instructor in that move. Yep. As an MC, do you ever find that that same thing happens? You're being you, but at certain times, there's flashes of those yes. that influence you along the it's way. The, yeah, it's the same thing with my, my personal, you know, social and political philosophy. Right. It's like you, you start out emulating and copying mm -hmm. and then the more you do it as well as introduce new influences you end up having this hybrid and as you massage it you end up having something that's 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 different and unique and so that the, the sum is greater than the whole of the parts it's that a whole there you go you right, know. right right my thing ironically because my style is naturally aggressive i i used to rhyme faster than you know all of my contemporaries yes but a lot of my contemporaries like to rhyme to slow music. And I hated it with a passion. So I'm with dudes who, you know, this is a true story. They're smoking weed and everything is like this. You know, and I'm like, dude, cha -cha, pick it up. let's go. Let's, let's pick it up. You know, and, and I hated it. But I was outnumbered, I was outvoted. So the only way I could really rhyme in those, you know, at that tempo was to add more syllables to my rhymes. Right. That's yeah. cool. And so, yeah, so that's where that came from. So now I'm adding different syllables. And so it carried over into the band. And so that's kind of where that style came from. I mean, I started, you know, kept copying and mimicking and holding on high like Dr. Ice from UTFO. Yeah. He was my first MC that I looked up to, you know, and then uh, Steady B out of Philly, you know, Hilltop Hustlers and all those guys. But Steady B was my guy. And then KRS and then Big Daddy Kane, Black Kim, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You know, the, your usual suspects at that point. Huh? Um, but I, I learned in learning how to make music, I learned that I couldn't listen to anyone else because it would indirectly and subconsciously influence my style. Okay, that's interesting. So who, yeah, so whoever came out, you know, during any given year, I would listen maybe once and that would be that because I didn't want them to influence my style. So when people came to our studio, very often we would say, oh, you sound like such and such. You sound like this guy. You sound like that. No one could ever say that about me. And I wore that's that as a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wore it as a badge of honor. That's really cool. I mean, we're, yeah. we're about it. We're hitting. We're over the hour anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. I want to get you back on, brother. How, I mean, are you free this same time next week? Because I would love to just pick this up quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's yeah, do that. We, I mean, we could literally do the Khalil show every Thursday at eleven. Some, really something of substance that. the next time we talk. No, 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 dude. This has been rich, <laughs> seriously. Um, but what I'm going to yeah. do very quickly what I always do sure. in a minute. I'm going to throw it to the floor. But I just wanted to draw out a larger point there. You've but came to a form of self-actualization manifest through music. You became honestly expressing yourself through that medium in the same yeah. way that we, and this is where I'm drawing that parallel with Jeet Kune Do and sure. martial arts, because the lesson often is we always say, well, if you want to get good at, you know, whatever, do martial arts, that'll give you that. 
it's not true. It's a way to do it and certainly to fast track, but you manifested and demonstrated that same thing through music, through art. And it's a beautiful thing because, and this is again, why I wanted you on you. You've always embodied that honest auteur to the vision that you have. And it, mm. dude, it's braggable. I love it. I love it to thank pieces. You, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to throw it to the floor quickly. We've only got a, a few minutes left, but has anybody got any questions for Khalil before I rebook him for next week? Can we do it again? <laughs> Hit me up on the chat if you have. Uh, oh, of course, there we go. I'm going to unmute you and I'm going to bring you on, Bulldog. So we've got Simon, the Bulldog from the UK. He's got a question for you, Khalil. Okay, guys. What's up, bro? Khalil, we often say, oh, that was a lifetime ago. Do you feel like you've now living a, uh, a new life that was then, this is now? Or has it just been a big progression and one has sort of fed and influenced the other? Nice. Uh, good question. I, I really think that it's more of a progression um, because very often I find myself referring to times in the past that got me here. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, like, like when I was like going back to one of the stories, when we were about to take off on, on tour, I remember vividly, we were all at Chuck D's house. We would leave from Chuck's house. Everyone would just fly in and we would take off from Chuck's house, go to the airport, fly to wherever we were going. I remember one instance, I was debating the entire house about the electoral college. It was insane. And I'm like, why do you guys not, not get this? You know, it was like me versus not only the S1s, not only Griff, but also he had a couple of guys from the bomb squad and everyone's looking at me like I got three, like I got three heads or whatever. And I'm like, no, this is, this is what it is, you know? And so <laughs> to, to answer your question more directly, I think all of that contributes and adds to where I am. And, you know, I never, and I think this is just unconsciously, I never say, you know, that was then, this is now, except when it comes to me, um, um, listing accomplishments if you will mm -hmm. you know yeah. what i mean like a, like like a friend of mine said the further back you have to go to cite something amazing that you did the more pathetic your life has become <laughs> <laughs> you know <What's> <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like al bundy selling shoes and he's still bragging about shit he did in high school yeah it's like really dude you haven't done anything since then <laughs> you know so eh, you know you know, you kind of have to kind of split the difference a little bit. Nice. Awesome. Thank I, you hope that, I hope that. Yo, I hope great, that great question. Great answer. Is that good, Bulldog? Yes. Thank you, guys. No. Thank you. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Everyone else got one for Khalil as he casually throws out references to just chilling at Chuck D's house and arguing with Public Enemy <laughs> Indians. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, I was just kind of throwing shit at Chuck and he wasn't having yeah, any right. of it. That is just yeah, a thing. You know, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, listen, brother. I'm gonna call it because we we're hitting our hour. Uh, what okay. a blast, man! Like, we seriously that they they always go fast. I don't know they always <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah. Let's try and provisionally get this again for next week, so we can then get into um, the Khalil, the public enemy years. And well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thank you. It's an honor to have you on, yeah, brother. I mean, I, I like I said, I could listen just literally turn the podcast off and just talk all day anyway. You know that. 
Um, so it, it's an absolute honor, a privilege, and a pleasure not only to have you on the show, but to count you as a friend uh, and a brother. And I, and I thank you for that. Absolutely. Man. So if anybody, you, man. Get, if anybody wants to get hold of you in the meantime, um, yeah. uh, what's your website? And tell us a little bit about how they can get hold of you. Uh, website, uh, Black Phoenix, uh, G- I'm sorry, blackphoenixjkd.com. Um, that'll route you to my, my website. Of course, it's the same thing on YouTube. Uh, same thing on uh, Facebook. Um, yeah, as well as my direct information, my email and all that stuff like that. You can get in touch with me. My DMs, everything is public um, because, you know, we, we are trying to run a business. So you got to stay, yeah. public. You gotta stay yeah. public. Especially in these times. <laughs> Oh my God, that's a whole nother conversation. See, yeah. there you go. How many times have I said that today? We, we, I'm exactly the same way. It's like, I think everyone's going to say, this is fascinating information, guys. Any chance of staying on topic? It's, you know. Right. Exactly. Not, not when we're talking. No. You got to keep no. me on the guardrails, man. You got to keep me on the <laughs> Oh, yeah, because I'm so good at that. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Listen, bro, I like you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for coming on, thank man. Thank you for it, having it's me. It's been a joy. We'll arrange it for next yes, time. Sure. Uh, and yeah peace out brother much love absolutely peace you guys be safe and there you go so I told you when I get my guests on I always get the good stuff I always give you the good shit as Ice-T would say I'm your pusher um, Khalil's one of those dudes I mean as you heard as you saw what a guy and what a life he's lived with these experiences and it mirrors so closely what we do with our own endeavors as martial artists or as individuals he's always walk forward he's always been him he's molded and even when you know you hear him say he's like you know keeping quiet he's never let that dictate who he was he's always kind of just learned that as a learning experience he's a really cool dude so anyone that's in that area in the atlanta area check him out he's got a great online program if you're not as well that's always worth um, a throwing to and he's just an all-round awesome dude so i'm really looking forward to having him on again Thanks for joining me on The Bane, guys. As always, um, stay tuned for the next episode. That's actually coming up this Sunday. That's going to be uh, part two with Kev Davey. I'm going to hit Khalil up next week, and then obviously we've got all our guests that are going to be coming up in August and entering into September. Whatever you do, do it well. Um, Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Things never get easier, and they just keep on going, and that's all we can do as well. This is The Hound signing off. Thank you very, very much indeed, everyone. And uh, I will see you all next time. Take care now. Bye-bye.